Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. Today we have the story of Corporal James Day. James Day was a United States Marine serving during the Second World War with the 2nd Battalion, 22nd Marines, part of the 6th Marine Division in the Pacific Theater. The time we're going to talk about today is during the Battle of Okinawa, specifically from 14 to 17 May, 1945. And it's an interesting story because we're going to talk about a specific fight around an area known as Sugarloaf Hill that I guess you could say is controversial in retrospect. And it's, it's wrapped up within this battle of Okinawa that also looking back just has a lot of questions about it. So stepping back to provide a little more context here, we have the United States entry into the second world war takes place in December, December 7th, 1941. This action, the battle of Okinawa is going to take place in start in April of 1945. So we are, a ways down the road. And when you look at the overall timeline of the second world war, the first atomic bomb would be dropped in early August, 1945. We're coming up on that pretty quickly here. So the United States strategy after we kind of got our wits back about us after Pearl Harbor was going to be a campaign of Island hopping. We were going to move West as best we could and take strategic islands and atolls until we could amass enough force and manpower and and equipment within reach of the Japanese mainland. The idea at this time for, for warfare is you have to topple the other country. So everybody thinks pretty early on there's going to be an invasion of Japan. And that's not just people in the United States. Anybody in Japan as well understands that that is probably where things are headed. It's at least an option. And that's important when we get into the Battle of Okinawa. So by the time U.S. forces start landing in Okinawa, start landing on the beaches in April of 1945, many of the battles in the Pacific have already happened. So Guadalcanal is wrapped up. You know, Midway was long ago. The Philippines have been retaken. Iwo Jima wraps up, technically wraps up just a few days before Marines and and soldiers land on Okinawa in April 1945. The Battle of Okinawa is going to be about two months, or not two months, about 80 days worth of combat, so just shy of three months. It will end at the very end of June, and about six weeks later, the atomic bomb is going to be dropped on Japan. So... The reason that the Battle of Okinawa is interesting is it was going to be, the reason it was so important is it was going to be a jumping off point. It's only 300 some miles from the mainland of Japan. It was going to be a very, very important piece of terrain as the U.S. moved to that, you know, what was going to be an incredibly deadly fight to land forces on the Japanese mainland. That's why Okinawa is in the U.S. sites. On the other side, you have the Japanese that are losing territory one fight after another. The tide of the war shifted years ago, and they, at this point in the war, it's not going to be a matter of repelling the American attack. 
the the Japanese mindset at this point during the Battle of Okinawa and for a couple before um, is going to be one of inflicting mass casualties to deter aggression against the Japanese mainland. So if if the Japanese can make the U.S. pay so dearly for you know Iwo Jima or Okinawa, maybe we'll rethink what it would be like landing on Japan. So the strategy shifted a little bit, and, and in turn, it's made some of the fighting just incredibly brutal. I, I do feel like, for what it's worth, that I end up kind of shifting reasons why Japanese soldiers don't give up but and, and, and fight to the death over and over again, which that's more the theme. It's the reason for doing so and why you can attribute it is kind of different a little bit, I guess I'd say. But nonetheless, by the time Americans land on Okinawa, it's going to be, the idea is going to be to make the Americans pay. So they rethink going the extra 300 miles in a month, two months, a year, whatever it is to the Japanese mainland. Now the Japanese are well positioned to do this on Okinawa. They're going to have 76,000 soldiers there. That's about twice what the U S has run into on other, in other campaigns. So for instance, Iwo Jima, you'd be looking at um, closer to 20,000 and Guadalcanal was a little closer to 35 or 40,000. So the Japanese have not for the first time, but they had quite a few troops in the Philippines, but it's going to be a pretty substantial Japanese presence on Okinawa. And it's going to be a pretty nasty fight from the start. All in it ends up being the bloodiest campaign of the Pacific war between the United States and Japan. Now, as the fight is ongoing, we'll get into the second piece. That's a little bit interesting in retrospect. Well, to step back with Okinawa, that one of the reasons that it's, not controversial is not the right word, but just an interesting battle to think about because the reason it was fought over was for this eventual invasion of Japan that didn't happen. So was it a success? Yes, of course it was a success in terms of American, you know, the American military took the island. So they, they achieved that objective, but we didn't need it in retrospect. We didn't know it at the time, but we didn't actually need that island for anything. So and then on the other end, did the Japanese achieve their objectives? I don't know. That there was no invasion. Maybe. You know, you have to wonder if if the type of fighting and the the deadly nature of the fighting on Okinawa, maybe it did prevent the US landing on the shores of Japan and might have been part of the reason that we ended up dropping an atomic bomb. So is that did the Japanese achieve you know it's an interesting few battles here where it's really hard to look back and say that achieved what we were trying to achieve or it didn't. Within the Battle of Okinawa, we have something, we have a little area that ends up being about eight days long. I don't even think it's referred to as a battle. We'll call it a fight for Sugarloaf Hill. Sugarloaf Hill is a small little rise in terrain, barely a hill. It sits like 50 feet above the rest of the elevation around there. So it's not, it's not like a massive mountain or or something that you would obviously look at and see that it was going to be critical to the enemy's defenses. But that's what ends up being the case. And as the Americans are pushing into the Japanese lines, continuing to clear them across the island, they see Sugarloaf and two other hills and think that it'll be, you know, a, a day fight, maybe half a day fight, kind of push. It, 
it, there's elevated positions. So of course it'll be harder than maybe something else, but there's not a lot of thought put into these attacks more than any other attack. And that would prove costly to the Marines trying to take the hill. And then eventually the Japanese aiming to hold it. There'd be about a Japanese regiment dug in, in or around Sugarloaf, and they would defend that thing to the death. Over the course of about eight days, over 2,000 Marines, there'd be over 2,000 Marine casualties. It's a staggering number for a short period of time there for a relatively small hill that, again, we didn't see as being a, a hot spot on the map. So the the little bit of controversy around Sugarloaf is should we have done something different? Should we have gone around it? If we knew that it was going to be that well defended, maybe we wouldn't have taken it head on. Again, easy to do that in retrospect, but at the time, how many days do you do that before you stop and say, hold on, we have to go around? So another little interesting part within the Battle of Okinawa. James Day is a squad leader during the Battle of Okinawa, and he's going to participate for a couple days in and around Sugarloaf. He will be one of the only surviving members to attack and, and come back after one of the day's fights. And on 14 May, he's tasked to go with another company and move it on their assault of the hill. The assault, just like uh, many others, is pretty well wiped out. And James and his men find themselves about a squad, I think it's seven people at this point. So less than a squad. He's lost some of his guys. They find themselves cut off in a shell hole where they have a decent amount of cover. But, you know, think of it like this one man toehold on the hill. The Marines keep getting sometimes up to the crest of the hill. But then they're being pushed back by the Japanese. They have it sighted in with artillery. They've got dug-in positions, bunkers, tunnels, a lot more people there than we think. And Marines keep getting towards the – it's deadly even to get to the top. But they get to the top, but then they get pushed back. And before long, I think the phrase is the only people on the hillside are the dead and wounded plus Day and his squad. So they've somehow held on. and But it's going to be – a challenge to move back. So he's holding on to his position. He ends up being in that position for three days. And that's going to be the story we're diving into here. So once he gets into that position, he's able to see attacks forming against other Marine units. So he, he opens fire kind of to the side and starts knocking out Japanese soldiers that are attacking other Marines that, but that gives away his position. So before long, that first night, as they're dug in, Day and his men face pretty nasty night attacks on three separate occasions, aimed directly at his position. Now, he and his men repel these attacks with small arms fire, with grenades, with bayonets, and with their bare fists. When we're talking hand-to-hand combat, multiple occasions at night. How scary is that? Between these attacks... His men are wounded. And if they stay where they are, they're going to die. So between these probing night attacks to knock out his guys, Day picks up his wounded and carries them back down the hill, the deadly hill where so many Marines have fallen, to friendly lines to get treatment. He does this three or four times throughout the night, but keeps returning back to his foxhole or the the dug-in position. Um on the hill 
for the next few days, they continue to hold that position. And now that they've given away where they are, the Japanese start zeroing in on knocking them out. So they're facing a pretty substantial artillery and mortar barrage. They end up facing direct assaults from Japanese troops. But when they don't, they also have this little view down the side where they can try their best to help support advancing Marine units that maybe can't see the backside of the hill. So they're hanging on for dear life. They are out there by themselves, Day and a few others. He ends up retrieving a machine gun at one point from another fallen Marine, moves it into position. He's, he gets wounded on multiple occasions, frag grenades, phosphorus grenades. One of the tactics they end up using that's interesting is there are flares being shot all night to try to silhouette any Americans on the hillside, Japanese flares. And the Japanese soldiers would crawl up to Day's position. And when they would hear them coming, they would roll grenades down the hill. And when the Japanese soldiers saw these grenades coming out, they would get up and run, but the flares going off would silhouette them and Day and his men would cut them down. They were essentially under assault for three days. Eventually the order comes and it says, Day, you got to, you got to get out of there. You got to come back. We're going to attack in mass. We're going to, this is kind of the time where they decide we're just going to hammer the entire hill with everything we've got and push you know, armored units and infantry units across this thing, recognizing how deadly it's become. They get the word to move back. At that point, Day and his men are able to survey the situation around them. There are over 100 dead Japanese soldiers within close range of their position, many within feet. Remember, we talked about these weren't, he wasn't calling in artillery strikes. He wasn't wasn't using a sniper rifle to knock guys off hundreds of yards away. A lot of this was in close close range, sometimes hand-to-hand combat, killing the Japanese soldiers as they were trying to crawl into his position overnight. So they fall back from their position with over 100 enemy dead credited to his name. And in the span of the next 48, 72 hours, Americans would hammer that hillside with air power and artillery, napalm even, and then overrun it in route to eventually winning the Battle of Okinawa a few weeks later. Now, Day would stay. He'd survive the war, survive that action, which is crazy. Survive the war, would come home, and stay in the Marine Corps. He would serve in Korea. He would serve in Vietnam. And he would retire in 1986 as a major general. So Corporal during the Second World War retires a two-star Major General in 1986. Something that's interesting here is he's not awarded the Medal of Honor until 1998. So I can't even do that math, but we'll call it 50-plus years after after his action. Was that 53 maybe? 53 years after the action, awarded the Medal of Honor. And it's another one of these that just makes you think how many of these stories are we never going to know about because this one wasn't even, you know, we, we, we recently talked about some that are due directly to racial prejudice. This is one where they just lost the paperwork. So how many other pieces of paperwork have we just lost? So we don't know the stories that some of these brave warriors, the, the stories of some of these brave warriors throughout, throughout history. But fortunately the paperwork was, recovered and and able to be utilized and in 1998 then major general or now major general james day would be awarded the medal of honor for his actions on okinawa in may of 1945 
Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to, to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.